Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the PBL Playbook. Today's episode is all about the process of going from new to PBL to certified in PBL. So we're going to go through and, and talk to uh, someone who's gone through the process from PBL Jumpstart with Magnify Learning to PBL Advanced and then to PBL Certification. We're going to learn all about those levels, but ultimately we're going to learn about what the value is in going through PBL Certification. Our guest today is Richard White, who is a chemistry teacher at Hollister High School in Southwest Missouri. He's recently been certified through Magnify Learning in PBL. And so he's going to talk about his experience over the last couple of years doing each level of training, the certification process, and how he sees that benefiting his own teaching practice as well as his students. If you like the music you're hearing on our podcast, this band is called Attaboy, and this is their song, Waking Up. You can find their music on Spotify, and the link to that is in our show notes. Enjoy this episode. Welcome to the PBL Playbook, brought to you by Magnify Learning, where we equip teachers with project-based learning tools today so they can engage and empower their students for the future. This podcast will give you the playbook of real PBL facilitators in the classroom, just like you, and help bring you strategies and tools for your PBL game. Now, here are your PBL Playbook hosts, Josh and Andrea. Gotta find a better way. Welcome back to another episode of the PBL Playbook. We're here today with Richard White, who is a chemistry teacher at Hollister High School in Southwest Missouri. Um, before we jump in, Richard, would you mind doing a quick introduction of yourself and your background in education and PBL for our listeners? Sure. Um, I've been a high school science teacher for 13 years. Um, I teach in a district where the majority of the students are eligible for free or reduced lunches and don't continue their education past high school. So throughout my 13 year career, I've, I've always looked for ways to engage that population. That's been my, my burden, if you wanna look at it like that. So um, it's always been chemistry or biology at high school. Right. Well, we're, we're excited to have you here. And, and I, I think one of the things that I'm excited about is, you know, we one of the big myths in PBL, um, especially for people who haven't done it and haven't engaged in it, is that it, it doesn't work for kids who aren't college bound. Like they always think we've got to have these accelerated kids to be able to do these big projects. And that's, that's just not, it's not accurate. Um, so we get to hear a little bit about that um, through our conversation today, but our conversation is going to be about um, you know, development as a PBL facilitator. So you had the opportunity to um, you know, begin with Magnify Learning and the PBL Jumpstart and then move all the way through PBL certification. So uh, can you talk to us a little bit about that timeline and what the process was like going through the different levels of Magnify Learning training? And then, you know, just talk about the, the growth that you, you saw in the program while you were, were going through those different levels. Sure. Um, I've, I've always been hands-on because I've learned early on in my teaching career that got me the best engagement with the, that population of students that I teach. 
So um, a grant was offered um, to our school district to for PBL Jumpstart at the local university, Missouri State University. And our assistant uh, superintendent, Sandy Leach, tasked our building principal with coming up with a core group of teachers that they could send to this um, magnified learning PBL Jumpstart at Missouri State University. And so I was the hands-on science guy, you know, so they asked me to go. And to be honest, I was a little reluctant at first because I was like, oh, project-based learning, you know, I've done projects, they're time eaters and and um, you get some kids working and some not, you know, all the usual um, things that teachers come up with when they're resistant. To but I went because I'm a good soldier. So I followed orders. And um, so we went up to Missouri State. It's been a week. Uh, it was four days actually doing the PBA Jumpstart. And I listened and um, a lot of the concerns I had were addressed pretty quickly by the facilitators, you know, um, with things like the contract uh, that your group signed so that everybody's responsible for a portion of the project and those that don't perform, you know, um, don't penalize the ones that do. And, and so I was like, wow, you know, um, I've always been hands-on, but not really in an organized way. And I saw pretty quickly that, that um, Magnify Learning, project-based learning, gave me a way to to practically implement what I was already trying to do. So I, they had us the first session of the PBA um, jumpstart sessions, pick a project that, you know, either we'd already done or that we were planning on doing and frame it into the magnify learning um, system. And so that's what we did the first go around and then tried it as soon as school started. And um, I was impressed, you know, I got a little more engagement than I normally do. It was a little more organized. And I thought, hey, you know, um, I might be on something here because I've been looking for some way to engage those students, you know, and and trying different things and failing and, and, um, you know, and searching really. And so the first year after the uh, PBL jumpstart, I think I did probably eight projects throughout the school year. And I finally hit a pace that worked for me, which was about a project every three to four weeks. You know, I found that if I drug it out longer than that, they lost interest. And if I went faster than that, I had low quality in products, you know, just from trial and error. I figured that out. So the second year, I wanted more, you know, I, I wanted to dive deeper. And so I asked the district, can you send me to the advanced training? Because it was going to be offered the next summer. And they said, okay, yeah, sure. And so I did it. And I went and um, got a little more intense with trying to make sure I hit all of the must-haves, you know, to make sure I wasn't leaving anything out. And um, I just dived deeper into it for the advanced one, came up with some more elaborate um, projects that that were more um, aligned with finding a community partner, which is always a tricky part for me, and um, giving the students more agency, you know, because when you teach public school, uh, rural Missouri students anyway, um, if you give them a lot of choice, they like to choose to sit and play on their phones for 48 minutes, and they're perfectly content with that. So I had a little trouble letting go of that control part of it and, and 
finally settled on giving them a menu of choices and phones wasn't on the menu and um, started, you know, getting more and more success. So then I thought, you know what? I think I want to get certified so that I can share this. I can get better at it and share it with my peers in, in the school district and try to get them, some of them to try this project baseline because they're teaching the same demographic I am, you know, the same students I have. And I, I'm seeing better engagement than some of them from these students. So I, I did the certification process. I asked the district to go ahead and allow me to finish off and, and get certified. So that's what I've been doing this entire school year through this pandemic is working with uh, Dr. Diane Clancy and on getting certified. She just meticulously with a fine tooth comb went through my projects and I, and I did pretty quickly that I needed to work on those aspects that I kind of already knew. Um, developing community partners, uh, giving the students more agency, coming up with um, end products other than a lot of times we were just doing reports or posters and she wanted me to try some other things. And it was really good. It was good to have somebody really looking carefully at what I was doing and uh, constructively, you know, making suggestions. It's, it's an expert in the area. And so I've been working with her all year and, and coming up with some pretty elaborate projects that, that I feel like we've been pretty successful with. Yeah, it's, it's really always exciting to hear some, about someone who goes through that journey. Because for me, it's been a while since I went through each of those, those steps, you know, but my, my PBL journey was similar. Uh, you know, I did my work through New Tech Network, but, you know, I had the, the PBL kind of 101 and then I got dug into more advanced stuff. And then eventually I applied for certification. And, and you know, I, I think it's really cool to, to highlight some of the different levels that we've we've got, you know, at, at that jumpstart workshop uh, as a facilitator, I can just see the reservation in a lot of people's faces um, because it's new and it's a little bit scary. And then you're always, I mean, as educators, we're skeptical that this is going to just be that next fad that we're going to hear about for three years. And, and then it's going to be completely gone because it'll be replaced with something else. And PBL has, has staying power. And I think a lot of it comes down to the work that organizations like New Tech Network, like Magnify Learning, like Buck Institute do to, to provide that structure. Um, and I think you hit on that in your, your response in the jumpstart piece is you've done projects, but that first, that first piece of, of PBL jumpstart is putting the, the structure around it so that it can be sustainable and successful, not only for teachers, but then for that student engagement. So it was, it was really cool to hear that. I think, you know, we talk so much in PBL about feedback for our students and helping them grow. And it's so important on the teacher side, too, you know, going through the different levels and, you know, getting your mind wrapped around PBL in a unit that you've already done and then implementing and then seeing how it works in your classroom and then going back and enhancing that and focusing on some of the different aspects. And then, like you said, um, with uh, Dr. Clancy, raking it with a fine-tuned comb and fine tooth comb and, and going through each of those pieces and, and just providing feedback and pushing you to think about your, um, about your practice, I think is so valuable, you know, as, as teachers, we see the value for students, but it's so helpful for us as well. Um, so, you know, as we're talking about the different levels, um, maybe talk a little bit more about, about each of the levels and how it has enhanced your PBL practice through the years to, to the point where you are now. 
Sure. Um, starting out before PBL, I always like to do activities in class because, um, you know, like I said, that, that demographic responds better. I think teachers tend to teach when they start out the way that they learned. And most teachers were good at school. That's why we became teachers. And so we could listen to a 50-minute lecture and we could read in a textbook and we could read in comprehension and, and we can be successful in that traditional format. And then we turn around and try that when we're new teachers in the classroom and it doesn't, you know, always equate well, especially to some students, you know, that, that don't maybe have those reading comprehension skills. So I learned quickly that I need to do activities with these guys to keep them engaged and still hit the standards. So I already had buy-in there, but it wasn't organized and it wasn't always real world. And it all, and it very rarely included a community partner. So what Magnify Learning taught me was to incorporate those and make it real world, um, make the students see the relevance, um, get the community involved. I think teachers are a little reluctant to do our self-promotion of what we're doing in the classroom. We don't want to throw it out there and let everybody look at it, you know. Um, it just doesn't feel right sometimes. And um, now, oh, wow, I plaster our work all over Twitter and, and all over the walls of the school. And, and I've learned to do that. And um, because if we don't frame um, what we're doing in the classroom for the community to see, the students do. And a typical 17-year-old when asked, what did you learn in school today? It was nothing. Well, what went on in school today? Well, there was some vaping in the bathroom, and then there was a fight in the lunchroom. And so that's what the community thinks is going on in the high school. But if we throw it out there, and I learned that lesson through my PBL journey to get out there. And, and, and we've been in the newspaper. Um, we've had um, people from Missouri State University come down and, and, and interview our students about the PBL and what they thought about it and how they liked it. And um, I was selected teacher of the year this year for my district. And I think a lot of it had to do with me plastering everything I'm doing all over. I think every teacher should get teacher of the year for 2020. It was a pandemic. It wasn't fun. But I was probably the most, most vocal in my district and most transparent about plastering what we're doing all over the place. And that's probably had a lot to do with why. They selected me for teacher of the year. But, but to answer your question, project-based learning through Magnify Learning System gave me a way to practically implement what I already knew would, was helpful in the classroom. And it gave me a structured way to um, use it. And I was reluctant with some of them. You know, I, didn't, I wasn't comfortable always getting community partners. And, and then I learned that could be the teacher in the next classroom or in the next building or the PBL unit we're currently working on. I got the, the director of operations for our district who's over the bus and the grounds and the buildings to shoot a little video asking my students to research biodiesel because the cost of diesel fuel is getting so high that the district is considering switching to a plant-based oil diesel. And would my chemistry students research that? So he recorded that for me and he emailed it to me and I showed it to the students and they think they're really making biodiesel because the district might switch to it. Well, I already know that it's not practical. It, it, it just doesn't need the power of diesel, but they're about to find that out in the next week or so. 
So that can be a community partner. Yeah, and, and I think that 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 piece is is really important. You know, I, I think, um, and, and part of this is, is not you know it's it's tough because there's not unlimited funding for professional development in all districts, and sometimes teachers are on an island and, and try to fund the you know the opportunity to to do these workshops on their own. But I think there's really value in not just kind of getting exposed to it, but getting exposed to it and then continuing that conversation, whether that's you know, through social media, like we talked about in a, in a recent episode, or it's it's through continuing on with the advanced and the certification um, process, or it's it's reaching out to the other teachers in your building who might be interested in working with them. I think that networking piece can be really powerful in terms of growing your practice. Um, and, and one of those ways that that I think is really critical, and I th- it certainly it certainly I think changed my my practice from being someone who who's doing PBL to someone who's passionate about it. And I felt, felt knowledgeable about it was the certification piece. When I had to submit projects, um, someone else who was an expert in PBL was looking at them and going through them and asking me questions about them. And I had to reflect on all of these pieces um, and revise projects and kind of keep going. That process really help me grow. So you, you had mentioned earlier, you, um, you worked with Dr. Diane Clancy on your PBL certification. Can you talk about that, that piece of the process? You know, what things you had to do, um, what was a little bit different about that part of the training versus maybe the workshops and, and, and ultimately why, why it was valuable for you? Sure. Um, I think the value I got out of the certification mostly was, was having somebody make sure I was being true to the six must-haves, you know, the six A's and, and hitting them all. And, and that's valuable because the more you align it with that, the better the outcome is, you know, the, the better the engagement was. So what Dr. Diane Clancy did was look at what I was already doing and what I thought I was doing well at and finding areas that I can improve in. Community partners and, and um, getting better in products maybe out of my students giving my students more agency, more choice. Um, it was a tough one for me because I think teachers are reluctant to let go of control in their classroom. And sometimes when we're in the midst of a PBL unit, if my classroom looks like organized chaos. There's somebody who walks in and says, no. But I gotta tell you, um, our average ACT science score um, for our district throughout this journey has increased and um, it's gone from below the state average to above the state average. Now I can't say, you know, there's a cause and effect relationship there that because I'm doing PBL for the last three years, that is the reason why we went from below the state average to above the state average on our average ACT science score. But I can tell you this, it sure didn't hurt it. It sure didn't hurt a bit. So I was pleased with that. And um, I think to answer your question about the certification process, I think it's, it's having that accountability piece, somebody else that's an expert in the area, making sure that you're, you're staying true to the, the, the whole process so that you're getting the most bang for your buck, if you want to look back like that. And she did that, you know, she dissected pretty well and, and pointed out some areas for improvement. And you got to have an open mind. You got to be open to that criticism, and you've got to try to 
go ahead and say, okay, you know, I've been successful with everything else that Magnified Learning has told me to do. So I got to trust what Dr. Clancy's saying, and I got to work on that part. And, and um, it's been beneficial. It's been helpful. Awesome. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think having having the support, but also having the push, right? And the challenge of how are you going to, to justify the way that you're doing this and having to defend what you're doing just enhances that practice. And, you know, you've had the couple of years of, of the training and the exposure and then really digging deep um, is just so helpful. And it's, you know, practices that we're doing in our classroom that we ask our kids to do, we know they work, they work for us as well. Um, and I just think that that process is so valuable. Um, so before we wrap up today, would you have any final pieces of advice for our listeners um, that maybe are just beginning their PBL journey, maybe they're on that route towards certification? What do you want to leave them with? The best advice I could give somebody who, who's contemplating going through this process would be to trust the process. Because sometimes there's going to be things that are kind of counterintuitive, like what control get the students more agency. And, but you got to trust it and you got to try it. And, and if you really want to, you know, answer that question for yourself, is this going to work? You won't know that until you try to do it and, and try to do it with an open mind. You know, don't set it up fail because uh, you don't like the idea of losing that control in the classroom, but just stay true to the process and, and try to incorporate all of the must haves that you can. Now you won't always be able to, you know, there's projects where I couldn't get a good community partner or uh, we didn't have a really great end product at the end other than a poster but boy when you do it's a grand slam and those are wonderful <laughs> i love those but out of the eight that i'm getting in a year eight to ten projects probably starting out it was only one or two where i thought it was a grand slam and that has increased you know i've had several really good units this year um, because i've improved and as a facilitator and staying through the process. That would be my best advice. Try it. Incorporate them all. See for yourself. Then make a judgment. That's some great advice, Richard. Thank you so much for, for your time and, and kind of being transparent in your in your process. I think you said it really well earlier that when you get get your teaching out there, it's, it's how you improve and, and how you help others improve. So again, thanks for spending some time with us today. Thank you. Ready, break. Thanks again for joining Josh and Andrea for the PBL Playbook, where we give you the playbook of real PBL facilitators in the classroom just like you and help bring you strategies and tools for your PBL game. If you want to reach the pod, you can tweet at AskGIEBS, at MissB103, and at MagnifyLearning. Or you can email the PBL Playbook at MagnifyLearningN.org with any questions, thoughts, or ideas you have. Also, be sure to show Josh and Andrea some PBL love by rating, reviewing, and sharing the PBL playbook with other educators. Yeah.